welcome to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering the news and issues important to Missouri entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Hood. And I'm Desi Muller. On today's episode, we will be journeying to the East Missouri town of Bowling Green to meet a 19-year-old entrepreneur who fell into the business of making desserts for her whole town. And then we'll learn how Missouri businesses have taken advantage of a new COVID-friendly luxury outdoor dining trend. We'll also have the week's headlines, digits, and other startup news you need to know. So what are we waiting for? Let's speak to startup. Missouri, first and foremost in the summer, is hot. But it's also rainy, but the sun is also out, and there are too many clouds. I think you're contradicting yourself. Do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. Missouri is large. It contains multitudes. I don't think that's how the saying goes. Either way, I think the weather is perfect for ice cream. You see, what I'm saying is there is no such thing as bad weather for ice cream. Sometimes an ice cream sandwich is the perfect winter snack. See, I'd rather get a warm coffee or a pumpkin spice latte. I think it's sweet and it's the perfect pit preup. Mm. See, that's where we differ most is that I am not a coffee fan. I don't believe that. You're a news reporter that doesn't like coffee. I don't think that's possible. I contain multitudes. See, now that's the line. All right, with that correction, let's get to this week's headlines. On Wednesday, Governor Mike Parson signed legislation shielding businesses, health care providers, and houses of worship from most COVID-19-related lawsuits. The Missouri Chamber of Commerce backed the bill, calling it critical to the state's economic recovery. But the Missouri Association of Trial Attorneys and AARP oppose it. They argue that the bill gives negligent nursing homes a blanket immunity from liability lawsuits. Claim Academy, a for-profit coding boot camp based out of St. Louis, announced the opening of a new headquarters in the Central West End. It will open later this month or in early August. The company offers training programs in software development and coding languages. It started after founder Ola Ayeni struggled to hire employees with technology skills. Ayeni says the new space will give Claim Academy more opportunities to expand and will include five classrooms and a lounge for students. Springfield-based eFactory announced their latest cohort of entrepreneurs in their accelerator program on Wednesday. The four companies in the group will receive a $30,000 investment in exchange for an 8% equity stake. The program also includes networking opportunities for participants. The companies included are Ag Butler, Middle Coast Solutions, Tipper Mobile, and Vendux. Missouri restaurant owners will be able to sell take-home cocktails on a permanent basis under a new law signed by Governor Mike Parson on Wednesday. The liquor law change was meant to be a temporary help to businesses struggling during the pandemic. But with restaurants still doing much of their business on a takeout basis, drinks to go became a desirable option at a range of establishments. Under the new law, containers cannot be larger than 128 ounces and must be durable, leak-proof, and sealable. Emily, do you know what's better than a scoop of ice cream? 
I cannot think of much, but what are you thinking? Two scoops of ice cream. You know, I could not agree more. Where did you hear that from? That is the butchered slogan for an ice cream shop that opened last May in Bowling Green, Missouri, called Two Scoops. I traveled there recently for the latest installment of our Outstate series, a series focused on entrepreneurship in small-town Missouri. While I was there, I met the shop's owner, Olivia Neimeyer, who is turning 20 this August. We talked about why she always knew she'd own a business one day and how exactly it ended up being in ice cream. If you're from Bowling Green, Two Scoops likely needs no formal introduction. The ice cream shop was once run out of a trailer by a different owner from 2018 until earlier this year. Olivia Nehemiah came to work there when she was 17 and loved it. She became a manager after the first year. After she bought up the trailer, she quickly realized she wanted it to be a stationary ice cream shop. When people ask me what I do, it's a bit of a like drawn out thing because I have to go in and explain that I'm a business owner but also a full-time student. Nehemiah has finished one year of schooling at Moberly Area Community College, where she is pursuing an associate's degree in occupational therapy. She still has one year left, but she plans to keep the shop running during this time. She will be doing her studying in her office at Two Scoops every day except Wednesdays, when she has to drive down to Columbia for her lab class. She plans to get plenty of help from her five employees and her family. She says her family has been a big help in this process. She was able to smoothly transition two scoops to a year-round stationery shop because it is opening in the same building that her parents already own. My grandma helps me out tremendously, so I wouldn't be able to really do it without her. And so same with my mom. They help me every day. Nehemiah says that her entrepreneurial spirit came from her family. Her grandparents started a Dish Network satellite store in 1994. Her parents, Courtney and Matt, now own the store and it is currently a U.S. cellular and satellite TV center. Her parents are also opening a pizza joint called the Backdoor Brick Oven. Starting businesses has been an ongoing theme in her family. So known that in high school, Nehemiah received the senior superlative for most likely to own a business. I guess you could say my grandparents, they pretty well started all of this They had multiple stores before this one, so it's all I've ever known is to own a business. And I I didn't know if I really wanted to, but it was just bound to happen. My grandparents, my parents, my mom's brother, he's one as well. So it's just, it's in our, in my blood, really. Drive a few minutes from downtown Bowling Green and you'll pull into the gravel parking lot of Two Scoops. The store's brick facade is covered in a fresh coat of white paint. Inside, ice cream signs and decals cover the walls, many made by the screen printing shop across the street. On a Tuesday afternoon in early July, Two Scoops houses two workers and two of the store's regulars. What are you having today? Same as all, we got two scoops. Black cherry in a cup? Yes. Jade Meyer, a full-time employee and friend of Nehemiah, says that there are many reasons she enjoys coming to work each day. It's fun to, you know, like see people come in and be like, oh, are you getting the usual, you know, and um, working with my friend, obviously, you know, and it's just a fun environment to work in, and I love ice cream, so. (laughs) Meyer says the shop has about 10 to 12 regulars that come in every single day of the week. She can even rattle off their orders. Shake. Strawberry or chocolate. Even gets sherbet shake sometimes. 
and he uh, comes in and sometimes he'll order five or six shakes to take back to Southside. So, yeah, we're all just a big community here. I mean, we help each other out. She can make it look easy, but this line of work didn't always seem like a natural fit for Nehemiah. If somebody would ask me if I ever would have owned an ice cream shop, I would have told them they were crazy. Nehemiah is happy that she fell into the business and gets to make something her own, but she also remains adamant about her goal of being a full-time occupational therapist. I mean, people love ice cream, so people are always, you know, so happy and, you know, friendly, and they just make the job easier. And uh, being a young entrepreneur, everybody, I think they, that brings even more support in. The community was wonderful. Destiny, since it's been getting warmer out, have you been to a picnic recently? Yeah, sort of. I went to one back in May. I had a picnic out on the quad at Mizzou with some friends. Yeah, I remember the second it got warm here in Columbia, it seemed like everyone was getting outside, picnicking, and relaxing with friends outdoors. But let me ask, have you ever been to a pop-up picnic? I don't think I have. Uh, What is a pop-up picnic? So the best way I can describe it is pop-up picnics are picnics on steroids. They're complete with custom low-to-the-ground tables, dinnerware, catered food, and theme decor. They've been growing in popularity since the onset of the pandemic, as large events have been traded for small outdoor gatherings. That sounds like it would make for some beautiful Instagram photos. Oh, for sure. And in addition to giving some great photos for your Instagram, they also provide a safe way for friends to gather. Businesses offering pop-up picnics have appeared in Missouri over the last year. I caught up with a few of these entrepreneurs who have started pop-up picnic businesses to talk about where they see the future of the business going. You've probably been to a traditional picnic where friends and family bring blankets and food and gather outside to laugh and catch up. But pop-up picnics are not your ordinary summer get-together. Pop-up picnics are luxury dining events. What do clients eat at pop-up picnics? It's not your everyday picnic sandwiches. Pop-up picnics come fully catered with food like charcuterie boards. What does a pop-up picnic look like? Clients eat their meals on the ground, in a park, an event building, or even in their backyard on cushions and blankets designed around a theme. Hate doing the dishes? You don't have to with a pop-up picnic. Companies provide china and glassware on customized table settings that is set up and cleaned after a rental. I always love to use some sort of lighting. So whether you're using lanterns or candles, uh, or I do have twinkle lights, which everyone loves using. uh, I always love to have different uh, levels to my decor. So I usually like to have a lower table decor and then lighting and then something tall, whether it's floral or another lighting piece just to add that layer of dimension to your table setting. That's Andrea Lynn Seppo, owner of Andrea Lynn Events in Columbia. Seppo opened her business in January after seeing the success of similar businesses across the state and country. The pop-up picnic business has taken off amid the pandemic, and Missouri entrepreneurs have been quick to bring the trend of small outdoor dining to the state. Businesses like Seppo's have seen growth despite the disruption of in-person events. According to the Live Events Coalition, an industry group, 90% of events businesses have seen cancellations since the beginning of the pandemic. 
Julie Ellison was no stranger to these event cancellations. Before the pandemic, she worked as a freelance event planner in San Diego. After COVID-19 hit, all of her events were canceled for the rest of the year. She was forced to move back to St. Louis with her parents last June. Then one night, like, scrolling through Instagram, and I saw, like, somebody on a picnic. I'm like, do we have that in St. Louis? And I literally stayed up all night long searching, and we didn't. And the next day, I was like, I'm starting a pop-up picnic business. I can do this. Ellison started her company, Alpaca Picnic, in October of last year. After booking 12 picnics in 2020, her business took off in 2021. She said she has over 300 picnics booked through the end of the year, ranging from small dinners with two people to large corporate events with 50 people. The need um, during COVID to actually be in contact with friends, to actually see people, um, be with like intimate groups, and that really helped pop up picnics because you were outdoors, you were sitting around the table, so at least you had that space in between each other. But then you actually got to see other people then who you lived with or, you know, your small bubble you're with. Social media plays a large role in the marketing of pop-up picnic businesses. They use it to market their table designs and get new clients. Some even offer photography services as an add-on to give their clients photos for their own social media profiles. It's like actually pretty Instagrammable as well. So I know people live for the gram, so you got to get those pictures. Seppo said social media has been the primary driver to connect her with new clients. Pop-up picnics are very much social media driven. They are very photogenic and thus the reason I will say that 100% of my clients that I have gotten have been off of social media and have been coming to me with a package in mind or a design that they want me to do because of what they have seen either from what I have offered or something that they've seen that they want me to pattern after. Pop-up picnics offer a unique way to celebrate a special event. A catered picnic for two can cost about $250. For a group of 10, costs can be up to $850. Typical clients include anniversary dinners, bachelorette parties, birthday parties, and even marriage proposals. I think they really come just for the aesthetic and the whole vibe they get from sitting low to the ground, connected with earth and with beautiful food and scenery. That's Desiree Wilcox. She opened Pop-Up Picnics Kansas City with her business partner, Hillary Perry, in March after seeing Pop-Up Picnics appear in places as far away as Australia. While in-person events are beginning to return across the state, business owners are confident in their ability to continue providing these picnics to clients even past the pandemic. That's the big myth that's out there with Pop-Up Picnics is, oh, well, it's going to fail after COVID. Well, it doesn't have to because we were eating before COVID and we were getting together before COVID. Well, why not just have this be a different way that we do that? Destiny, what's your digit this week? My digit is 10000 $10,000 was the grand prize from last weekend's tournament. Which sport had a tournament? It was actually a three-day-long eSports tournament. Last Friday night, college students from 16 colleges across the country were in downtown St. Louis for the first annual Gateway Legends Collegiate Invitational. That's awesome that there was such a large turnout. What Missouri teams were there? 
they had St. Louis University and there was also Maryville University, who, by the way, is actually a three-time national champion in collegiate esports. The St. Louis region is quickly becoming an epicenter for esports. High schools, other area colleges, and some civic organizations all have teams. The industry is raking in revenue for the city. A director at St. Louis University wants St. Louis to become the place that people think of when they think of collegiate esports. Why is that such a big goal for the area? That actually connects back to the conversation on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Tech professionals think esports are a timely and relevant way to highlight St. Louis as a hub of science and innovation. Sometimes college players are trying to go pro, but other times they are students who need scholarships and networking opportunities for production or programming jobs. The expansion of this industry and these tournaments is seen as a way to stimulate opportunities. So it can be a win for the students, a win for the gaming industry, and a win for future jobs and innovations. It's a win-win-win. That's the long-term goal. Carpe ludum. Seize the game. Emily, what is your digit for this week? My digit for this week is $164 billion. You're always coming in with the big numbers. Tell us more. That's the amount of funding that 11,000 venture-backed companies received in 2020, according to a report from the National Venture Capital Association. U.S. venture capital investment has been increasing for the past few years, reaching an all-time high in 2020. It increased 17 percent from 2019, and investment amounts have doubled since 2016. Technology companies are the most likely to receive funding from these investors, followed by biotechnical and pharmaceutical companies. We're almost wrapped up with this week's episode. We just need our closing thought. Here's Andrea Lynn Seppo from Andrea Lynn Events discussing the future of outdoor gatherings after the pandemic. Why do we so think that something that was formed in COVID is going to have to die after COVID? I, I just I, I don't see I, I don't see the truth in that all the way. I think if you stay one way and don't change with the times, absolutely, it's going to fail. That's all for this week's episode. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Emily Hood, and Destiny Muller. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. You can follow us on social media at MoBusinessAlert, that's M-O Business Alert, and subscribe to the MBA newsletter on our website. Have a great week, and we'll speak with you next time.